Hi everyone, I'm Dr. David Morelos. And I'm Dr. Jessica McCono. We're here today with a special bonus episode of Psychology After Dark. As many of you know, September is National Suicide Prevention Month, so we wanted to make sure to take some time before the end of the month to talk about suicide prevention. This is something that is near and dear to us, not just because we are mental health professionals, but because we also work in corrections, which is one of the professions that has the highest suicide rate. I think that many people are aware of suicide risk associated with incarcerated individuals, but not many are aware of the suicide risk that comes along with working inside of a prison. Most people assume that police officers have one of the highest suicide rates of law enforcement personnel. But recent research suggests their suicide rate is only slightly higher than that of the general population. Actually, correctional officers have a suicide rate of twice that of other law enforcement officers and the general population. There are some organizations who are starting to research why this is the case. What the research indicates is that correctional professionals have an extremely high rate of post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. In fact, the estimates are that approximately 34% of correctional officers have PTSD, while 23% of combat veterans have PTSD. While suicide is a significant concern for both populations, people are really just now starting to talk about suicide prevention for corrections officers. But as you all know, it's not just veterans, inmates, or law enforcement officers who are at risk for suicide. In the United States, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death, and it's the second leading cause of death among individuals aged 10 to 34, and the fourth leading cause in individuals between 35 and 54. There were more than twice as many suicides in the year of 2017 than there were homicides. So what are some of the risk factors? According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 46% of people who died by suicide had a known mental health condition. Other risk factors include being male, having a trauma or abuse history, using alcohol or drugs, and especially intoxication, meaning that people often make the decision to kill themselves while under the influence of drugs or alcohol. It's estimated that more than a third of people who died by suicide were intoxicated at the time. Experiencing prolonged stress, a recent loss, and having a family history of suicide all increase a person's risk. So how do you know if a loved one is experiencing suicidal thoughts? One of the easiest ways to find out is to ask them directly. Many people think that if they bring up suicide to someone, they'll be more likely to actually attempt to kill themselves. But this is not the case. If someone is already having suicidal thoughts, it may actually be a relief to have someone ask about it directly. Some of the other warning signs may be increased aggression or moodiness, engaging in reckless and impulsive behavior, including substance abuse, and withdrawing from family and friends. People who are contemplating suicide may start setting up a plan by accessing the means for suicide, such as purchasing a firearm or saving up prescription pills for an overdose. They may try to tie up loose ends, like paying off debts or updating their will. They may also give away their possessions and say goodbye to family and friends. These signs are definitely more serious, and if you're concerned someone is suicidal, or if you are feeling suicidal yourself, you can always call 911 or go to your local emergency room for help. Some other resources include the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK and the Crisis Text Line 
where you can text CONNECT to 741741. Both of these resources are completely free and confidential. They're also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the crisis workers are skilled at helping people who are dealing with all different kinds of problems. If it's not an emergency or crisis, but you or a loved one wants to seek mental health services, you can visit the SAMHSA website where they can show you a list of mental health and substance abuse treatment providers in your area. We have links to all of these resources on our website at psychologyafterdark.com. Please remember and remind your loved ones that there is help out there. No one has to go it alone. Asking for help can be one of the most difficult things a person can do, but it can also be one of the most important. For those of you who follow us on our Facebook page, we participated in something called the Brain Run, which was a 5K that was a fundraiser for a number of different very good organizations here in the Denver metro area to help with mental health issues. I was very encouraged by the amount of people that showed up. I was also very encouraged by the amount of resources that are available to the people here locally in Denver. It was really amazing. I mean, there were so many community mental health centers. There were lots of agencies that provided low cost or no cost services. Lots of different kind of methods of addressing mental health. So it wasn't just kind of the traditional talk therapy that I think a lot of people think about, but there were also agencies that did art therapy, movement therapy, music therapy. So it was really cool to see all of the different ways that they're connecting with people to improve their mental health. Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing that there were this many resources and this many people who are really taking this problem seriously. I've been in corrections now for 16 years. And as you and I have talked about, this month especially, whenever it rolls around, I reflect quite a bit on three men that I knew who were correctional professionals who did wind up killing themselves. Every year, this month is a stark reminder about the seriousness of it, the gravity of it, and how vulnerable we can be in our daily lives to this kind of darkness. Well, and I think a lot of times, you know, people, they get into that dark place and they just feel so isolated. And I think that they kind of lose sight that things will get better and they feel very alone. And I've heard, you know, numerous people have described suicide as being a very permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I, I think that that's, that's always something to remember is that whatever emotion that we're feeling, no matter how bad we feel, we won't feel that way forever. All of our emotions come and go. And so even when things are really bad, things always do get better. I know that it can be hard to see that when you're in that, that pit, in that darkness. But I think that's why it's so important to talk about this stuff, to remind people that they're not alone and to reach out in any way that we can. Obviously, here at Psychology After Dark, we explore dark topics in psychology. It's important to remember that even though darkness is the eternal companion to the light, that darkness can and should be managed. We have a lot of resources available to us to help us do that. We will all be touched in our lifetime by somebody who has attempted suicide or who has actually gone through with it. So I think it's very important and it behooves all of us to pay attention when we think somebody may be going through a dark time like this and to know what to look for 
and how to help. Yeah, and I think that getting that information and having those resources readily accessible to people is very important. And that's why I think that the suicide National Suicide Prevention Hotline is so great because people can call anytime, day or night, and talk with somebody that's skilled in helping people through this type of crisis. The crisis text line is also wonderful because maybe you don't feel like talking, but you're willing to at least text with somebody. That allows for people to have support anytime that they need it. You know, mental health emergencies are not convenient. Usually they don't occur at times when it's really easy to get in to see a provider. And so I think it's really important to have these crisis services available and keep these numbers around. Even if you don't need them, you never know when a loved one might. And just being able to provide that to somebody might help save somebody's life. So we will have links to all of this stuff on our webpage. We always have the link to the SAMHSA website at the bottom of our homepage. And that is a very nice resource. You type in your zip code and it will bring up all of the mental health providers in your area and you can search for different specialties. So we always have that on there, but we're going to have a special page on the discussion section of our website addressing all of these suicide prevention resources and also we're going to have some links to some different web pages that talk about suicide prevention and risk factors so you guys can read more about that on your own and remember be kind to each other reach out to each other and we will be back next week with another episode thank you for joining us thanks for joining us The information contained in our podcast, on our webpage, and on our social media pages is for entertainment purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by Dr. David Morelos and me, Dr. Jessica McCono. It was edited by Dr. David Morelos. The songs in this episode were Dubstep Slow Motion by Cool Loop and The Arrival by Liskis, both provided by Gemendo.